0: A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. I can, I can use an amens. just I'm shocked that I had never heard of this guy. I watched that video the first time and I ugly cried. This has got it's got my wheels turning and That's the Jesus that Mormons to believe in. Dallas James. Is that the Jesus that you presented in this video, in this TV series? Welcome back to, well, welcome to a crossover podcast in the Ma- in the Evangelical Norm Network. Um, this is uh, going to be unsolicited episode fifty, and also the Master's Dog episode ninety-four. <clears throat> We are doing a crossover episode because I am going to respond today to give my review of the Netflix documentary, uh, Murder Among the Mormons. So this is a documentary about Mark Hoffman back in the mid 80s, a uh, forger who sold a bunch of uh, forged documents to, I mean, not just the Mormon church, but a lot of people who ended up with some forged documents that he had made. Uh, potentially the most prolific uh, forger uh, known ever, ever known. Um, And so the reason why it's a a kind of a dual episode here is because with um, the implications that this uh, situation had uh, upon the Mormon church and the the theology and the doctrine and so on, uh, and then... I was specifically asked by somebody to give my opinion on the, the documentary, so I hadn't watched it yet, so I took a couple of days, I watched the three episodes, that's three uh, one hour long episodes on Netflix, so if you've deleted your Netflix, um, you're out of luck, you're not going to see it until it comes, I mean, until somehow it leaks onto YouTube or whatever. But uh, it is a Netflix documentary. It's an original documentary by Netflix. Interestingly enough, it was directed by the guy who directed Napoleon Dynamite and Natural Libre, Jared Hess. So that was an interesting thing. So, But it is an unsolicited episode, so unsolicited is a podcast where I uh, deal with arts and entertainment as they intersect with the Christian worldview. Music, uh, books, movies, TV shows, uh, usually... A lot of music reviews, but again, today we are going to review this documentary. One, because of my experience with Mormonism, that was the reason why I was asked. And then two, I was specifically asked by somebody to give my opinion and my thoughts on this documentary. So, and then again, it falls into the Master's Dog category. I was going to do a, a just a specific Master's Dog episode on one clip. Uh... My recording software is not sophisticated enough to snatch and grab off of Netflix. So I've got to figure that out. I may do a more in-depth on just that portion uh, at some point in time if I can figure out how to get uh, that clip. So I will be working on that. We may do a uh, Master's Dog episode 94B at some time in the future to uh, address that specific section it's like an eight minute segment i'm gonna talk about it in in this episode today but it's about an eight minute segment that i really wanted to dig into there's there's some commentary from sandra tanner there's some commentary from a couple of people who knew mark hoffman and then there's a lot of uh quotes from him as he was being interviewed so he didn't respond for an interview so they've got old uh, clips of interviews none of his face nothing like on camera but just audio interviews of of uh, I, I don't know who the woman is interviewing him asking him questions about the bombings and stuff like that and it's just really it's something that I want to do so I will get it done I just have to figure out how to make it happen and I just don't have the time to to work on that today it's it's getting late and I gotta go to bed soon so I gotta work tonight so um that is uh that that so that's where we're going that's what we're going to do so without further ado we're going to take a look at the official trailer uh for this netflix documentary then we'll talk about it and then there's a clip that netflix has graciously allowed us to use um not the clip i wanted but uh not the clip we need but i guess it's the clip that we deserve so here is the official trailer for netflix murder among the mormons uh documentary
1: the only way to keep a secret between two people is to kill one of them it's kind of true
0: the state of utah has long been the home of the mormons
1: i love the gospel with all my heart
0: They are driven by history, and they want to preserve documents. Mark Hoffman found document after document. First editions, history, Americana, worth $1.5 million.
1: He was a rock star.
0: Religion sometimes breeds amongst people some extremes. The first explosion ripped through a downtown office building, killing one man. The second explosion outside of a holiday home claimed another life. Panic began to ensue because two bombs suggest a serial killer. Then the shock came. There are very expensive documents in the automobile. original yes this is an original copy the salamander letter gave a far different story of the church's roots instead of God and angels now it's salamanders and magic
1: this material was potentially devastating people who wanted to protect the church didn't want this document
0: to come to light. there's a speculation the church was trying to acquire it in order to suppress it everyone's a suspect What do you think about lying for the Lord? It just started snowballing. Machine guns. Bombs.
1: We all should have suspected. Secrets just can't be kept.
0: all right so there we go uh murder among the mormons this is uh let's just break down the the documentary itself so you know a really well-made documentary I'm, i'm as far as documentaries go i don't watch a whole lot of them i'm not a huge fan uh depending on what it is i mean i loved calvinist and i loved uh the american gospels and babies are murdered here and so i guess maybe i do like documentaries as long as it's something that i'm really interested in but it was really well done um there were a couple of places where it it felt like especially like the ending of episode one ended with an insinuation now i mean i am an ex-member of the lds church i've got no love for mormonism i have no uh yeah, you know, I I would love to see the entire thing just burnt to the ground. I mean, structure not literally don't. Okay, now. I guess that's a really bad comment in conjunction with the the topic of the documentary we're talking about. I would love to see the Mormon Church gone. Real all the people, all the members realizing that they've been lied to and deceived. The infrastructure uh, the, the organization, all of it just gone. I would love to see that. Um, you know, take all the amazing buildings that they built and church buildings and temples and stuff like that and repurpose them for something. The temples are, are pointless. The ward houses and stake centers uh, can be used for tons of churches. I mean, if, if you could get everybody to leave the LDS church and become Christians, true Christians, Orthodox Christians, um, those church, those buildings would be absolutely necessary and they could be you, put to good use. So that being said, it really, the ending of episode one kind of left me with the feeling that they were trying to insinuate that somehow the church was involved in either the, I don't know. It was just, it was a real weird ending for me. Um, I honestly don't remember the ending of episode two because I watched episode two directly into episode three, um, with no breaks in between. So they're, they're really, the two kind of flowed together. i watched episode one the first night, went to bed and then, uh, watched the other two the next day. So they kind of flowed together. Episode three was, I, I really felt like was the, what, um, what I was most interested in, because it kind of got into, it got into the theology, or lack thereof, of Mark Hoffman, and, and just kind of some of the, the motives, and, and things came out in that, and, uh, so that was, and that has that eight-minute clip that I was talking about that I want to do a further review on somewhere down the road, and, and we will, we'll just call it The Master's Dog episode 94B, even if we're, you know, up to episode 100. um, We'll we'll retrofit it into the uh, chronology of the Master's Dog podcast. But so that the third episode was the best episode for me. It really kind of broke down. It, It got to talking about how Mark Hoffman had at an early age at like 14 years old started to develop his his skill as a forger but also had left the faith which many mormons when they do leave mormonism a lot of them do leave the faith and become atheists which is mark hoffman apparently did as he spoke to to people that he knew um and people who knew him talked about him and so it's interesting that was the, the best episode for me uh kind of episode two is really just kind of to builds the connects the the one and three really and that's literally what number two does but it, i honestly again i don't because i watched it i should have i should have had a separation in the three so i could kind of but two just kind of ran into three for me and so i don't remember all the kind of the the implications of two but one really kind of set the foundation of what he was doing. It talked about the salamander letter. It talked about, uh, the other stuff. And then three kind of got into what his in purpose was, or what people, what's the word I'm looking for. Assume potentially his, his, uh, goal in this whole thing was, but there's another clip that I want to watch. So we're going to take a look at this, the second clip that, uh, that, that Netflix has allowed us to use. This is off of YouTube as well. And so this is just a a random clip out of the, um, I I want to say it's, it's from the first episode, I I think. So we're going to play this and, and just kind of give you a taste of what the documentary is about. What do you do with documents? they have the potential of destroying someone's faith.
1: I remember it specifically, because it was my birthday, December 27th, 1983. Mark said, come here, I'm gonna show you something that no one has seen. He takes out of his briefcase the salamander letter. That was in the box where the gold blades were. What? What? Wow. And he says, we don't have any photographs of this. Can you photograph it? And so I was the first person to take those photographs. And he was keeping it under Tremendous secrecy. I was one of a select group this big, that was privy to the, the bombshells, but that was his world, and there was a reason for it, because everybody did that to a certain extent, they would never reveal where they were getting their best materials, so that world, it was not that odd to keep secrets.
0: All right, so there's just a, a little clip from the first episode about the salamander letter. So what this letter is, and and this is where we're going to kind of turn from unsolicited. It's a good, it's a good documentary. So let me give can finish my review to say, hey, go check it out. Uh, it's a really good documentary. It has, I mean, I lived through the history of this. I grew up in Salt Lake City. This. This news story was kind of the beginning of my understanding of news, and I was 11 years old when the bombings happened, and I just remember so many people being so freaked out about it, and the first time I was really interested in watching these things on the news and trying to find out and kind of following in a sense, the, the trial and, and so on, and, and the conviction of Mark Hoffman and him being sent off to prison. So this, I mean, to watch this again, I mean, it did actually bring back some memories of where I was and what I was doing when some of these stories broke or when I first saw the stories um, about it. I remember I was outside with some friends kind of goofing around and, um, I think we were playing tag or something in, in someone's yard and someone came out and was like, uh, did you hear that there, there were some bombs that went off in Salt Lake city today? And, and we were like, no, no, tell us about, it. and you know, and so, I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, <laughs> I think at the time it was, I mean, we were still in the height of the cold war. So it was like, is this Russians? Is our, you know, are we, and, and so there was so much stuff that was, was talked about and, they really did a really a, a, a good job of bringing, you know, Jared Hess directing this, uh, did a really good job of putting in, and I think Hess is LDS, I'm, I'm not 100% sure uh, if, if he is or not, but I know that some of the people involved in Napoleon Dynamite were Mormon, um, so he might be as well, but he did a really, really good job of putting it together, uh, not I, like I said the ending of the first episode was a little sketch for me but when you put the whole thing together there I mean it wasn't a there was there was no real you know this is the Mormon you know and he didn't hit what I'm gonna do in a minute when I when I go into masters dog mode he didn't come at you know the 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 prophets there there was a little bit of you know the prophets should have known why didn't your LDS you know, leaders that talk to God, the comments from Sandra Tanner uh, talking about, you know, why why did the prophet not know, you know, that these were fake? Why were they why were they fooled? And but they he does a good job of going. Everyone was fooled. The the leaders of the LDS church. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But the FBI, the I mean, document dealers. All over the place. Were fooled. They took one forgery that he made, the the Freeman's Oath, which is supposed to be the first thing printed in the United States uh, on a printing press, uh, supposedly worth one point five million dollars, and they put it in like I can't remember what the what what it's called, um, but they basically bombarded the ink with radiation to test the the. Um, age of the ink and it passed so this man fooled everybody i mean if he could have had the time to actually create the mcclellan collection that he had talked about if he had you know set the timing off just a little bit not mentioned it until later but he was i mean he was basically running a ponzi scheme and so he needed more money so he had to you know he was thinking selling this freeman's oath was going to 1.5 million dollars was going to um, compensate him for everything that he was getting into between shuffling money from this person to this person and so on. But it just wasn't coming fast enough, so he was trying to get $300,000 out of the LDS church for this McClellan uh, collection. It supposedly had uh, diaries and, and, and all kinds of documents and stuff that were very incriminating of the LDS church. So it was basically said through different dealers and so on, that the church was going to pay $300,000 to buy this collection. And uh, so there, I mean, again, now, 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 so well done. Great documentary. If you're interested in, if you're interested in true crime, it's a great documentary for people who are interested in true crime. If you're interested in Mormonism and so on. It's a great documentary for people inter- interested in Mormonism. So those are kind of the two things. I don't know that unless you're interested in bombers and then um, seek uh, psychiatric help and no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, but yeah, so true crime, Mormon enthusiasts, this is going to be a documentary that you both are, are going to be interested in. So now let's let's turn the corner. Let's talk about this. It was insinuated that was the word I was looking for earlier, insinuated by a couple of people in the third episode. And as they're going down this path, talking about his skills as a forger and and stuff like that, and his ability to fool people and essentially, potentially destroying the beliefs of millions of faithful, devout LDS people. And they're talking about this. The insinuation was and I had never heard of this and I had never thought about it, but it makes so much sense that he started with the salamander letter to full people and, and working Martin Harris's handwriting and, and so on and so forth. But using this to ultimately recreate the 116 lost pages of the Book of Mormon and literally be able to rewrite LDS history so now here is where we get into the meat of the master's dog and and what this theological implications this has upon the mormon church and its reflection of whether or not it is actually truly a christian religion and whether or not joseph smith could have done the same thing because here we what we've got is we've got mark hoffman and joseph smith are peas in a pod. They are birds of a feather. They are both con men that were phenomenal at what they did. So Joseph Smith was a f- great storyteller. But here's the deal. We talked about this in a, an episode of The Master's Dog not far long ago about could Joseph Smith have, have memorized the entire thing and, and told the whole thing from memory. If he had done something like that, then he could have recreated the 116 pages that were lost. But... They were supposedly just, you know, we just let those things go. God really didn't care about those 116 pages. Um, they're not ever going to be recreated. And But the reality is, is Joseph couldn't do it because he's a storyteller. He's telling a story. He's dictating the, the story and he's reading the words off of a stone in a hat and he's dictating and people are writing down. And yes, he's got uh, King James Bible memorized where... He's giving that and plagiarizing that and putting all these things together. But then when supposedly Martin... Well, when Martin took the 116 pages and showed them to his wife and then they got lost, Joseph couldn't recreate those. And he wouldn't recreate those because if somebody has them and suddenly these are are brought forward and they don't match what he had redone, well, then now there's a problem. So he didn't. He just... Again, the, the stories are so convoluted that I, I can't imagine why anybody believes them. You know, a 14, a 15-year-old boy goes out, or however old he was, goes out and supposedly sees angels in a grove. And then the story changes, and he sees one angel. And then the story changes again, and he sees, he sees God. And then the story changes again, and it's God and Jesus. and there I mean, there are nine versions of the first vision, and they're all different. And so again, to go, why does anyone believe this? Because he was a very convincing, very prolific con man, just like Mark Hoffman. And Mark Hoffman's goal was to recreate those 116 pages. Now, if what happens if somewhere along the lines those 116 pages turn up? I don't know if somebody may have found them and they've been I mean, who knows? But Mark Hoffman, just the thought that he was going to recreate those pages. I mean, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. We don't know. It's speculation at this point. But, I mean, he was putting forth documentation and fooling the leaders of the LDS Church. Now, here's the thing. And I, I know the guys from Saints Unscripted have talked about this ad nauseum. Well, they're just regular guys and they don't really know. But, No. Dear leader claims to be the prophet. You have these statements about, you know, the 14 fundamentals of the prophet is that the prophet will never lead the people astray. Brigham Young said it would be impossible for the a prophet of the LDS church to lead the people astray. Um, you use these these statements like God should do nothing lest he uh, uh, not- tell his servants the prophet. I can't remember exactly how it goes. But yet now God, Didn't on this occasion, you know, the lives of two people hung in the balance and, and ultimately millions of people leaving the LDS church based on these fraudulent things. And God didn't think to go to the prophet and go, yeah, no, they're fake. And have the prophet come up to to Hoffman and go, yeah, no, they're fake. We know they're fake. God told us that they're fake. That would really convince me. I may still be a Mormon if they had done that. If they had the ability to do that, but no, they, well, you know, they were, they told us they were genuine. I mean, uh, Hinkley went as far to say, well, maybe it was a forgery from Joseph's day. You know, again, they've got to cast doubt upon it, but they didn't just go, yeah, no, God told us that, that you faked this. This is serious implications. I mean, Joseph couldn't recreate the 116 pages. God's just like, yeah, no, we really don't need those. I mean, it's the most correct book of any book ever, you know, that man could ever, and man can get closer to God by its precepts, except for the fact that it's missing 116 of its pages. How do you get the most correct book of any book known to man missing 116 of its pages? Right? And... When you've got a guy that can just start funneling forged documents to the LDS church and they're just buying them up because they don't want people to to know about them and see them. It wasn't like they made a big grand announcement and said, hey, we have this salamander letter that, as Sandra Tanner said, it it changed it from angels and uh, translations and revelation to salamanders and magic. But now we know the whole, I mean, the, the... the head in the stone and the the, or the seer stone in the hat and the face in the hat, I mean that's magic. We we know all kinds of stuff about Joseph Smith involved in magic, so the salamander letter would actually kind of make sense. But here again, what what we come to is as you've got this this man who had become an atheist. He had walked away from the Mormon religion, he had become an atheist, and and then the goal of his life was to create these documents to give to to literally cast doubt upon the LDS church i mean really didn't have to do any of that i mean all the doubt you need is in the book of mormon doctrine and covenants and the pearl of great price i mean all the doubt that needs to be leveled against the lds church is right there in their own scriptures that is out there and in their history journal of discourses and all the things that brigham young has said and and everybody else has said but again This man, I mean, had he been a little more patient, had he been a little more frugal, he could have literally done what Matthew Gill tried to do over in England and start his own new version of the LDS church with, you know, the book of Jeronech. But he could have done it through the mainstream by restoring the 116 pages that were lost. It, it it blows my mind. It blows my mind. And and again, whether or not that was his intention, I mean, he's never going to say anything like that. He's never going to make that known. I mean, he's still, as far as I know, he's still alive in prison. I should ask my cousin Matt if he's if he's dead yet. Um, I mean, he's he's getting up there in in the years. I mean, this was eighty five, so literally um, thirty some years ago. If he was in his thirties, he said, well, he could be around for a while. Do the math. It's, it's not that old. Um, but yeah, just amazing. But still, it, it is a reflection upon the prophethood, or um, I guess that's as good a word as any, of the leader of the LDS church. I mean, at the time, I believe the, the president was still Spencer W. Kimball. I don't think he had passed yet. Um And I don't think that Ezra Taft Benson had taken the church yet. But I know that Gordon B. Hinckley was the first counselor who is a future, um, you know, prophet, revelator, and seer. So he was the one that really did a lot of the interaction with Hoffman and the dealers and stuff like that. God didn't tell. I mean, you would think that God would tell Kimball. I mean, he told Kimball to, you know, give the blacks a priesthood. And and this stuff that all this other stuff was was done and and over and, you know, the political pressures and so on. Why didn't he tell him, hey, just ignore this dude. Don't spend our hard-earned tithing, um, the people's hard-earned tithing on on this stuff because it's pointless and it's meaningless and it's a fraud. And, I mean, again, all these situations, it comes back to the fact that I really feel like um, I want to just compare – the God of Mormonism to the God that Elijah on Mount Carmel was mocking? Was he in the bathroom when this happened and he missed it? Or did he just not care that some guy come along and made the leaders of his only true church look like fools? You know, God went through all the the trouble to restore the church to the earth through magic and revelation and all these things and and bring them through the plains and, and through polygamy and through all the embarrassment and the Mountain Meadows Massacre and and, and the the blacks in the priesthood and the racist and all the, the issues that Mormonism has gone through just to make them look like fools again with this it just doesn't seem like God the God of Mormonism cares much about his one true church so With all of that, that's, um, I'm going to finish it. We're, we're at 32 minutes now, so I don't want to get too, uh, too deep into the time restrictions and I want to get this uploaded before I go to bed. So uh, I hope you found this helpful. If you have any questions, comments, Snyder remarks, go ahead and leave them in, in the comments down below while you're leaving comments, go ahead and hit subscribe. If you liked this review, uh, like the video, share the video, hit the notifications button because apparently that makes Mr. Algorithm really happy and he lets more people find uh, the channel and we get more subscribers and, um this goes out to more people because we're not getting any money there's no monetization here i'm not doing this for the almighty dollar i'm doing this for god's glory ultimately uh to show god to be truth and man to be a liar so if you liked it please subscribe share it hit us up over on gab tv i'd love to get a few more subscribers over there i literally have 3 3 subscribers on gab tv we're we're pushing 140 over here on youtube and then i get you know the um sorry notifications on the uh on the on the facebook over here um and so and i've got you know you can follow me on twitter at the master's dog or at the evangelical norm uh norm dunham on facebook hit me up you can check me out uh yeah so with all that being said preach the gospel at all times use words they're necessary and until next time Soli Deo Gloria.